Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Charlotte. I'm Chad. Chad, I've been following this so-called Asbury revival on social media and news. And, you know, because that's not like my corner of the church, so to speak. I'm more interested in sort of the conversations around it, trying to get insight there. And honestly, trying to understand how it's perceived by folks who are unchurched or never churched. Um, Because I'm just curious, you know, and as those are the people that I'm trying to engage. So what are they, what are they looking at and how do they see it? But you have uh, actual connections both to Asbury and to uh, that tradition out of which it Mm -hmm. comes. And so I'm wondering what insights you have, what you're seeing there, and your experience. Maybe you start there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I graduated Asbury College when I was there. It's university now. And of course, I wasn't there when, as this has been happening. So, in some ways, I can't speak to this specific. Mm. But I'm familiar with the school and the theological tradition. I mean, Asbury came out of the holiness tradition, which we'll have to talk about that. Um, It was originally named Kentucky Holiness College. But on one side of my family, I have deep roots in the holiness movement, specifically as it came out of Kentucky, Kentucky Methodism. And I have familial roots at Asbury. I mean, my dad went to the seminary. I have a number of family members attended both institution institutions. And I think for a lot of the students there, they have those kinds of connections, especially with the holiness theology. They may come from different denominations. I mean, the school itself is, from my perspective, is kind of a mixed bag. Mm. Um, it's academically r- rigorous. I can't say uh more about how much I appreciate the education I received there, especially in philosophy and theology. It's not fundamentalist in that sense. You know, they're not teaching creationism or something in biology class. And I wonder how outsiders look at that. It is a mm. great, academically great school. And, you know, it's going to be egalitarian in terms of like women preachers. A seminary prepares women for ministry. Mm. But it's also very conservative in terms of LGBTQ issues. You know, on the one hand, it's going to teach historical critical method, but it holds inerrancy of the original documents of scripture, that kind of thing. So it's a mixture. Oh. Yeah, that I know. It's a mixture, and I think it's it's receiving uh, comments from all across the spectrum. And I think that reflects maybe perhaps that mixture but i think that mixture reflects the diversity um of cultural outcomes and denominations that came out of the holiness movement which is what that school is based out of but you know as far as this revival um or not everyone likes that term see that's become a discussion but yeah when i heard about it my first reaction was really it was ambivalence and i don't mean that in a negative sense i just mean Revivalism, revival and camp meetings, that kind of thing are just part and parcel of the holiness movement Mm. and traditions. The school itself has had a tradition of 
revivals, you know, mm-hmm. the famous one in the early 70s. But something like this happening is something that people in that context, and I mean the students and, and professors, have been praying for and waiting for something like this, you know. Um, Can you tell me more about the holiness movement? Yeah, so the holiness movement came out of the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s. It was mostly among Methodists, um, but it, it crossed different lines, different denominations. And a lot of folks left the main denomination at that time and formed denominations like the Free Methodist Church of the Nazarene, Wesleyan Salvation Army, which is a denomination, by the way. Um, and it centered around revivals and camp meetings that focused on the idea of entire sanctification, or uh, some call it Christian perfectionism. Sometimes you might even hear it referred to as uh, the second blessing of the Holy Spirit, that kind of thing. Um, but it's this idea that one could become wholly sanctified, meaning freed from the effects of original sin, freed to love God with an undivided devotion in this life. Mm. Um, And it's an idea that goes back to Wesley and Wesley believed he was getting it from the early church, which is a conversation in itself. Um, You know, there were some interesting outcomes of the holiness movement. It starts, you know, one of the, uh, primary figures at the beginning was a woman by the name of Phoebe Palmer. She had been reading Wesley about this idea of entire sanctification. And based on her own experience of sanctification, she begins preaching this message of entire sanctification in Methodist churches and at camp meetings. And really, initially, with a group of women. And they eventually allow men to join in, but this the the main preaching at these camp meetings and revivals was this idea of entire sanctification. And so, I mean, to me, one of the interesting cultural outcomes of the movement is it was varied. On the one hand, you had like the free Methodists came out of that. And part of why they call themselves free Methodists is that they were abolitionists, you know, anti-slavery. They were much more egalitarian than uh, some of their counterparts. Um, But then, of course, you had others that didn't take those positions. So, you know, it's a diversity of responses coming out of it. But it all what ties them all together is this doctrine of entire sanctification, that you're sanctified from the effects of original sin, sanctified in love, right? So you're free to love without any hindrances from inherited sin. Um, and this is a work of the Holy Spirit. When you walk into Hughes Chapel at Asbury College or University, um, has written in big letters over the organ. Uh, you see it as soon as you walk in are in big letters, holiness unto the Lord. And so this is the theology that informs when they think of revivals, you know, some people might think of revivals in kind of a Pentecostal fashion. They have this theology of entire sanctification. And when you watch the videos, they're not, you know, it's pretty mellow. What I saw was pretty mellow. I mean, it's just 
not a lot of preaching has been happening. It's mostly right. kids praying and singing softly and, you know, now are they seeking entire sanctification? I would have to think so. It's just so it permeates that context so much. Is the in, entire sanctification, is that a, a progressive thing in one's life or is that something you can attain some how great question because this was an issue and why some churches left the main denomination because some mm. were saying it's spontaneous mm. you get the second blessing and the fact there's a book i read years ago of all these different historical figures talking about the second blessing so it was instantaneous you know they just became free and but once, I think it's both. Some will say Wesley argued both, and I don't know. I don't know that that's so much the issue these days, but initially it was. If you receive it, can you fall from it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Mm. I don't know. You know, I had a discussion with the professor on this. And, of course, it's a reaction in part to, to Calvinism and reform movement. Sure. You know, I was kind of an oddball there. I was like one of two Calvinists <laughs> <in> <laughs> school. Um, and so I had a discussion, and he, he was, uh, you know, arguing that one could become sinless, go through their days without sin. And I was like, even your, your thoughts, everything is in line, you know, you're not yeah. having – and. We both laughed when he said this. He was like, there's no reason to split hairs. <laughs> oh, wow. Because, you know, they talk about inward holiness and outward holiness. You know, uh -huh. that in is going to have an outward expression. And that outward mm -hmm. expression is usually you don't drink, you don't dance, you don't smoke. Yeah. You know, you don't go to the movie theater, that kind of thing. So, but it is a reaction to the Reformed tradition in some ways. You know, the whole free will. Wesley, I mean, it's coming out of Wesley. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Are there within the holiness traditions um, tests of the spirit? Is there Are there markers within that tradition of somebody having the second blessing or moving toward holiness? Aside from you know, not smoking, drinking, drinking and dancing. dancing. Yeah. You know, I, the emphasis is so much on love, this undivided love towards God. And, you know, I always, you would think it would have certain outward markers, like, mm -hmm. for instance, uh, social concerns and stuff. And maybe that comes out of this. I don't know. You see it in, like I said, in like the Free Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's this outward looking, like that would be an example, but also an inward looking, like, you know, you don't. My, my my critique of it has always been kind of you're like I said you're a perfect Christian if you don't dance drink or smoke that kind of thing mm. um, but are you a more loving person I, I guess I you know I guess that's the assumption um, is that how it's played out you know I don't know like what specifics were you thinking and you know no I mean we talk some about you know, I, I mean, okay, so within the Calvinist tradition, you both absolutely do not know the state of somebody else's soul, mm -hmm. right? But uh, there's an expectation that there would be some fruits there 
or signs of sanctification um, or election. And so, and those would be good works primarily, I think. Um, So was curious about, about that. Like fruits of the spirit, that kind of thing. Sure. Those are going to be the same, but you have this cultural thing about, you know, I don't know if it's still like this, but, you know, when you go to Asbury, the college, I don't know about the university, but at the college, you know, you have to sign that you're not going to smoke and drink and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Is that emphasis because those are like gateways for Satan or are they considered evils within themselves? You know, I just, I think in their minds, this is my opinion, they see as those who like, like we're talking about those who they're all the idea is that everybody's going to strive for this holiness. And those are people who are holy are not going to be drinking and smoking. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a, that's a rough one in this world of knowing that those are, can be and often are serious addictions. Yeah. So I've seen from, let's say the, the right or, more conservative side of the church, some criticism of these services because they're not marked by altar calls and and calls for repentance and emphasis on sin. Mm-hmm. Is that what you would expect to hear? Um, Either well, in I mean, the content of preaching within the holiness tradition or this camp yeah. meeting kind of world? Yeah. Um, and what I read, and again, I just took this off, is that it started with a group of students and one confessed mm. some sin in repentance and they started praying and then it just went from there. Mm. I mean, one thing that I think is interesting about this particular revival is there was one sermon at the beginning, and I don't think it's been marked by preaching per se. It's my understanding, too. Yeah. And I've heard that as a critique. Well, how else will you experience the gospel, Chad? Well, that's right. Without an exposition of scripture. Well, and the sermon that was given was a good, pretty good sermon. I listened to part of it anyways. Yeah. It's just funny to me, uh, the different critiques that are coming out. Because I've I've read things, uh, of course, uh, I read a, Pentecostal periodical that was saying it wasn't revival enough. I read another article saying that some right wing groups were wanting to call it like the fourth great awakening and tying it to nationalism and stuff. And I think that's unfair. I doubt that's a motivation in there, but you know, Mm -hmm. people are going to co-opt it for whatever. Right. Um, And of course I've read articles about, kind of saying, yeah, this is great, but the school is still LGBTQ uh, students there and stuff can't be open about their experience and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we also have a critique or uh, an examination of a a white supremacy problem too. Yeah. When you look at the pictures, it's all white (laughs) folks. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, the initial question that I had looking at it was kind of, and of course, this is just neat jerk reactions. I'm not informed, anybody. 
But um, the idea of, you know, looking at those videos and knowing, you know, these are white, generally affluent. I mean, they can afford to go to a private college um, kids and just kind of immediately thinking like, those aren't my God's favorite people. (laughs) Which is to say more like, you know, when I really expect for where God shows up, it's, you know, Uh solidarity with the poor or the marginalized or, um, you know, who are the, who are the friends of God? It doesn't mean, and you guys, that doesn't mean like, if you're white and affluent, you're like, excluded in any way from salvation history or the means of the faith, but that where I expect to see the movement of the spirit is in different places than this, which I'm challenging myself about too, because that's not entirely fair, but you know, um, I'm still resonating with me or some of the critiques that say, you know, if you really wanted to see a bunch of, uh, young people taken with the spirit in a spontaneous way, then those were the people that were marching, you know, in Ferguson and other mm-hmm. places in 2020. Uh, that that looks, to me, at least, more like something God would be about. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing, and this was kind of my reaction in hearing it, was, look, these this context seeks this kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's also a question of kind of like revival within an already specifically Christian context. You know, I mean, the, the hype around that of like, they're, they're okay. I mean, this is better. You know what? It's better if you're going to get all in your second blessing and more holiness, but that's, a very different thing in my mind than, oh, it happened at the University of Virginia or it happened mm-hmm. somewhere uh, that was more diverse, yeah. interfaith and, or non-faith, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think it is that second blessing. And of course, for me, you know, the whole idea that I've got to reach some kind of Christian perfection, I did not find that helpful. Yeah. I mean, that's partly why I went the reform route, um, because I've my own personal experience with that theology was not helpful. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my other thing I wondered is what's what's going to come out of this? That's what I'm right. really curious about. What what kind of fruit in my mind, you know, especially regarding the way cultural Christianity is in this country, I would love to see some reaction against that, mm-hmm. you know, a more open, accepting, loving Christianity. And I think that's a possibility, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see, you know? Yeah. Because I mean, there are a lot of people excited about this all over the world. Yeah. And I actually, I think that's actually really cool. Independent yeah. of what may come out of Asbury or uh, these localized expressions of what's going on mm-hmm. is yeah. that it's getting it's getting some specific attention there and enthusiasm yeah you know i wonder about the intersection too i'm thinking about it's so easy for me or this temptation is to be like oh when i was in college 
like X happened, whatever. It's a completely different world. I mean, it's just, it literally is. I mean, everything from 2001 onward is just yeah. a completely different world. So if I'm thinking about what it <clears throat> means to be an 18 or 17 to, you know, 22, something like that, um, what those kids have been through, like mm. independent even of their religious tradition, but um, children who didn't experience or see something like 9-11, but have shouldered the uh, effects of it, you know, including this mm. rampant Islamophobia and xenophobia, things like that, and living in this world of kind of constant fear of terrorism. The fact that they're all digital natives, that's just a complete cultural uh, distinction there. But that these kids would have also gone through either part of their end of their high school experience or part of their studies at Asbury, you know, during the height of the pandemic. Yeah. And we're seeing. Even before that, like just this burden upon the mental health of um, of young people, just because the weight of the world is also lying on them differently because they are seeing the full weight of the world in the ways yeah. that you and I didn't have right. to, you know, and just, you know, the critiques around this with kind of, you know, it's not a lot of preaching, it's not a lot of like as this, you know, exposition of the gospel, it's more or seems to be more experiential as far as singing and prayer and mm -hmm. and, and and more emotive qualities in that way mm -hmm. too. I wonder what kind of lessons we might learn there. Uh, you know, even in the main line too, as approaching the faith of younger people, you know, and what's really yeah. resonating with them. And I don't mean like we're just going to borrow the holiness tradition and I hope not to be completely mischaracterizing what it is that I see there, mm -hmm. you know, but we still, <clears throat> we, sh we're still doing kind of knowledge transference. And I think that's important, yeah. but it's not giving an experience of, of God's love an experience of this faith. You know, it yeah. should, it should feel a certain way to be a Christian or to believe. And mm -hmm. I don't think I need to buy into the rest of the theology going on there to say, you know, maybe there's a corrective there for some of us. Yeah. And just room for the Holy spirit in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> member of the Trinity folks. <laughs> and historically tied to love. I mean, God, yes, yeah. obviously. But, you know, even from Augustine on, this idea of lover be loved and love itself is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And um, maybe we just all need a little bit more than that. But it's got to, I'm still, I'm <clears throat> still anxious to see what happens. I want to see, and I guess this ends up putting me actually with the people who want to see real repentance and sin and whatnot happening <laughs> some way. Cause I don't want to see that, but I do want to see like some transformation. I want to see yeah. something come out of that. And we may not yeah. see it for another decade or more, really. Cause my understanding is that the revival that happened in the seventies, you know, ended up producing this kind of generation of leaders uh, mm -hmm. within these traditions. And it, that outcome 
if that happens out of this one, we'll take time to see. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I agree that, you know, when these young people, maybe not just at Asbury, but throughout the world that are being affected by this Mm -hmm. and touched by it. And, you know, I'm the last one who's going to dog somebody's experience or, you know. Right. Yeah. Like you say, when they get in positions where they can bring about real change. So that may take a while. Yeah. I think in the 70s, well, I know because we all had to watch the movie when we got there. (laughs) But, uh, you know, they sent groups of Asbarians around the churches throughout the country to talk about what had happened there. I don't know if they do that this time. With social media, it's different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, I could pull up the live feed anytime and just watch, you know, and watch yeah. uh, students talking about their experience there and why they yeah. stayed or, you know, what was going on, which is, it's like a privilege. I mean, it's just fascinating to it me, is. you know. And, and does yeah. also change your perspective away from, or mine, away from, it takes away some of my cynicism, you know, <sighs> and skepticism. I mean, really, to see a young person yeah. who is clearly deeply moved by yeah. that experience, you know, and just can't wait to get back in there. That's extraordinary in and of itself, I think. Yeah. You know, I would have been much, I was much more cynical of the whole thing when I was there than I probably am now. So I, even mm-hmm. I've kind of grown. What do you think your biggest takeaways right now? And I know this is going to change because this is still, as, as they'd say, a developing story, right? But, you know, are there lessons or takeaways that are on your mind already that might inform your work or your faith from what you've seen? I haven't really thought about it in those terms, to be honest with you. I mean, I'll tell you what excites me about it is that I'm I'm always have a kind of a, I'm encouraged by younger generations, these folks growing up in the 2000s and such Mm -hmm. in terms of their outlook on social issues. So part of me says, you never know what will come out of this. Uh, But, you know, And I mentioned earlier that I was much more cynical when I was there about this kind of thing. But my own contemplative practice has opened me up to thinking about this in a different way. Mm. Although I wouldn't agree with the entire sanctification route. You know, I, I do think seeking a more intimate experience with God is is always a worthwhile venture. And that's kind of what I see these kids doing. So kind of like we were talking about, you know thinking about opening up more room for the Holy Spirit. I don't think it has to be done in that specific way, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, and you know, I, I do feel some familiarity with it in a way that I didn't when I was there mm. because of my own contemplative practice. But, you know, even, even if I think back to Jonathan Edwards and the First Great Awakening, well, you know, his church, played a big role in the first great awakening and you know people are falling out it was a different kind of revival but not completely disassociated but later on when he looks back on it you know he 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 comes to the conclusion that yeah the work of the holy spirit is going to be shown through the fruit of the spirit what kind mm-hmm. of person you are um, and not necessarily the phenomena itself because he noticed uh as people have throughout the history of revivals that people might have a great experience and still be horrible people. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I'm really hoping good stuff comes out of this, I guess. That's not related to your initial question. I went way off track there. But anyway, is it strange to, because you've mostly been in the Reformed tradition, right? Would you say that? Mainline. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Would, would you? Is it strange to see this kind of thing or? Oh, yeah. I don't look also as an introvert. I don't even like the image of that many people in one room. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they are standing too close to one another. And I would have said that before March of 2020. But now yeah. looking at it, there's still part of my brain is like, oh, this revival is just a super spreader. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, Somebody's so catching part, a cold. Um, you know, I don't know any of the songs. I feel like really disconnected, you know, from mm-hmm. from it as something like I could join into, you know, or participated mm-hmm. in some way. And then, you know, I've seen some videos of supposed healings that have happened in it. Oh, wow. at it. And I've seen a video uh, from different perspectives of a supposed I don't, I don't know if you'd call it, is it a, would you call it an exorcism or somebody being released of oh, a demon wow. in it? Oh, wow. So, I mean, I have nothing for that, you know? Yeah. I didn't see that. And that's where I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm still, oh, gosh, I mean, this is still my cynicism where I'm more, I'm not, I'm not, maybe I'm just not allowing myself to be as interested in those as events mm-hmm. or phenomena <laughs> on their own, but more interested in the fact that people believe that that's what's happened and yeah. it's strengthening or changing how they believe that they f- are understanding that there's a direct divine intervention occurring within that space. Yeah. But no, I have. Chad, I wouldn't, I wouldn't raise my hands above my shoulders in a church, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't either. Even in Orans, <laughs> I'm kind of like, oh, I guess we're like down here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, okay, a benediction hand up. You, you, and then go. you just got to make sure you're not accidentally doing a Nazi salute. But I mean, those are oh. the things that I'm so like conscious of, you know, yeah. just like how you move and how you sing and things are programmed. And I mean, I get maybe the closest thing for my experience would be like uh, the forms of like to say prayer, you know, okay. that there's more spontaneity, spontaneity, woo, spontaneity, spontaneity. there. <laughs> what that is, <laughs> spontaneity <laughs> there as far as. You know, repetitions and moving into a contemplative place using that as a vehicle. Um, So, I mean, I get that, but I've never seen anybody, you know, fall out or jump out of a wheelchair, you know, kind of at something like that. And I wouldn't expect it. I think that's another distinction, too. There's no world in which I would expect that kind of stuff to happen in worship and i think that's my own personal problem as well i don't go to worship spaces often Ooh, uh uh-oh i don't often go to worship expecting to experience the divine in that way or Mm -hmm. at all yeah, uh, maybe <laughs> close to at all, or in a okay. very limited 
way of maybe some some kind of quietude or peace mm-hmm. during the uh, during some silence, or maybe I've, I'll receive, you know, a word will hit my ear, you know, in a specific way and yes. will lead me towards something in the week, but not, certainly not ecstatic expressions of faith or, or that I might perceive something happening in the space where I'm like, oh, that's God. Like God just did that yeah. kind of thing. I read people saying as soon as you walked in the building, you could feel it and, you know, the presence and that kind of thing. I didn't. I didn't realize people were were being healed and demons cast out. That's that's. I don't even think that's usual for at least some strains of the holiness traditions. I don't know. Who knows, man? But God bless them. We'll see. It is surprising that so many people have been talking about it, though. You know. Yeah. I mean, here we are. <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> that's surprising too. That's another point of fascination to me is, I mean, particularly on like TikTok, I'm not connected with other like faith leaders. I'm not on Christian TikTok. Uh-huh. Right? I don't get what my other friends are saying as far as like, oh, here's, yeah, I don't even get like the um, ex-evangelical content on TikTok. My TikTok mm-hmm. is entirely cat videos. <laughs> Um, toddlers falling down <laughs> or having something <laughs> ridiculous happen to them physically, and then some kind of like far left wing activism things, yeah. maybe. And the fact that like this stuff is on my TikTok now, I think is showing on my for you page, is showing how pervasive it is and how interested people who are kind of outside of like I'm interested in a lot of things like have a lot of gen z content in my for mm-hmm. you page on tiktok but it's again not religious content and so the fact that i'm scrolling and it's like cat video toddler eating it coming down a slide <laughs> you know <laughs> uh some tips on you know uh, what to do at the next protest or something uh-huh. and then it's this it's live feeds from this or from the revival the offshoot at like Samford and other places, you know? Oh. And I'm like, okay, so we're all, not all, obviously, yeah. that's silly, but the eyes upon this, that's interesting. And I yeah. wonder if, if maybe, if maybe we as mainline leaders or participants in other, Uh, traditions within Christianity, maybe the thing we need to be ready for is if those people come through our door, if this leads some people toward wanting an experience. Not that we, and I don't mean that as any kind of call to replicate what's happening at Asbury or elsewhere, but to be prepared that this, this could very well lead some people from complete disinterest in the faith to questions you know yeah and some kind of engagement and um we need to make sure our our house is in order and we're ready for for guests you know for visitors that'd be great yeah